Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, episode 44, The Conclusion of Spiritual Warfare. So this series, uh, we've covered the fact that we are in a literal war. Uh, basically, we're pawns for Satan before we become believers. And then once we become believers, we are enlisting in the spiritual war on the side of good. The enemy is the devil, his demons, and humans that do his bidding. So our goal as soldiers in this war is to win other people to Jesus Christ and free them from the lies of the devil. We know that in the end, Satan will be defeated by God. He'll be thrown in hell because it was prepared for him and his demons. And we need to see to it that he takes as few humans with him as possible. Once we know that we are in a literal war, then we have to get prepared. So that's where Ephesians 6 comes in. We must put on the armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. And that's what the last six episodes have been about. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And then finally, we need to actually fight. And this is the key that a lot of people shy away from because we don't interpret the Bible properly in context of what the Bible says about fighting. So when do we have to fight? Well, number one, we have to fight spiritually. So go back and listen to all those episodes, starting in episode 34, that we are in a war. Are you acting like it? I explain the spiritual fight there. Sometimes we have to physically fight. People don't understand that. Many times as believers and unbelievers, people refuse to look at the whole Bible in context. So I covered that in the last episode, 43, um, listen to that one to understand the context of the Bible and what you're supposed to look for. Uh, but real quick, some of the physical ways, the reasons that we are to fight is in Psalms 82, three, the Bible tells us to defend the fatherless and the widows, innocent people, the defenseless, right? Psalm 149 says we must fight evil rulers, physically putting them in chains. Jesus said in Luke twenty two thirty six that we need to buy a sword and defend ourselves. And in that day, when Jesus was walking the earth, the sword was the primary weapon of every soldier. So what is the primary weapon of every soldier in the world today? It's a rifle. So I would recommend you buy a gun and learn how to use it, right? Uh, John 2.15, Jesus showed us that it is okay to plan a physical fight if it's fighting against injustice. In this case, it was specifically perverting God's temple. Jesus made a whip and he overturned tables and threw out the money changers. Think about planning. You know, he made a whip. He might have very quickly thrown together a, a scourge of cords, you know, and, and then he went in and overturned tables and kicked out the money changers. So maybe it's something to think about in your church. You know, there's been churches around the country that get interruptions by activists, political activist groups running into them and, and turning things over and shouting and stopping the preacher from preaching. The drag queens coming in and preaching at that one church that just recently happened. Uh, active shooters going in. It happened in Texas, uh, what, two years ago. So there are people that will come into the church, the building, and when there is active worship going on of God, and they will try and disrupt it. If you don't have a plan on how to stop that physically, that means physical violence. Then are you really preparing 
to fight like God tells us to. You need to be able to fight against injustice, even to the point of protecting the temple where worship is supposed to be done. And that might even be just your house if you're holding a Bible study, right? But do you have locks on the doors? Do you have people with guns to defend, to take out the bad guys? Do you have maybe ushers in your church that are set up and have trained on how to physically restrain someone and call the cops and hold them until the police show up? Have you even thought about violence? Most people don't. Most churches don't. They just leave it to God. Well, God tells us to plan. God tells us to prepare, to defend, right? King David talks about in Psalms, Psalms 18.34, that you need to train to use a weapon, and you also should know how and when to use it. He says, God teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. Literal weapon of war, trained to use it. So God wants us to be able to physically fight when it is necessary. Then you also must be able to actually fight verbally. First Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now keep in mind, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is gentleness. To be gentle, you have to be capable of violence. And you restrain that and you are gentle. If you were not capable of violence, then you're not being gentle. You're just being weak. God did not say be weak. He said to be meek. It's very important you understand that. When used negatively, meekness means overly submissive. However, in the positive sense, which is what this uh, Bible verse is talking about, It implies that someone is able to remain calm and subdued even when being provoked. So therefore, it is strength under control. That's what meekness is. So understand that when the Bible talks about a believer being meek, it is not weakness. It's the opposite of that. I like the way the Bible in 2 Timothy 4.2 says this in the basic English version. It says, be preaching the word at all times, in every place, make protests, say sharp words, give comfort with long waiting and teaching. Understand that rebuking is to say it like it is, to condemn things that need to be condemned. So just have to think about the way things are done. Jesus did it himself in Matthew 23, 27. He said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, these were the uh, religious leaders of the day, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. In other places, he called them vipers, poisonous snakes, right? So Jesus didn't mince words. He was very sharp and caustic at times in the way he called people out for their sin. Sometimes... When people are lying, twisting words, being hypocritical, it's very important that you confront openly what they are doing and not weakly, not trying to say that everybody's okay and that, well, you have your own way of viewing things or this is your truth. No, no, no. Sometimes Jesus was in your face. You liars and hypocrites, whited sepulchers. Those are basically tombs, okay? 
You look good on the outside, but you're rotten bones on the inside. That's what he's talking about there. He called them names, but he was honest about it. When you are preparing and training to fight, do not dismiss the importance of moderation and discernment. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation in all things means going to either extreme is probably bad. Extreme passiveness could be bad. Extreme willingness to fight could be bad. You have to be moderate and know when to fight and when to back down. For instance, Jesus had discernment on this. He knew when to speak and when to flee and when to fight. There were two or three times when they sought to stone Jesus to death and he just disappeared from among them. Now, he had the ability to do miracles and just walk through them and disappear without them knowing it. Uh, John eight fifty nine actually describes that. It's pretty cool. But we need to have discernment to know when to do things and when to fight, when to speak, when to keep silent, when to turn the other cheek. All of those things come into play, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Basically, all of this spiritual warfare comes down to this. When you fight, do not be afraid. Learn to be a warrior Know that God fights for you. Have hope in the future. So as far as not being afraid goes, we need to have courage. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, and be strong. Psalm 31, 24, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. We need to be a warrior like King David, physically and spiritually. We need to realize that God fights for us. Exodus 15.3 says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Romans 12.19, For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And then keep in mind in the Old Testament, many times uh, when God was leading the Israelites into actual battle, Exodus 14.14 is an instance, he literally says, quote, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace, end quote. Sometimes God will send angels or he will step in and literally fight for you and then have hope in the future. Ecclesiastes is full of this. Sometimes evil wins in this life, but we know that God will judge in the next life. So that's our hope. Either God will help us win now or we will win in the end. And then Revelations. At the end times, uh, after the tribulation, God physically fights the evil nations and punishes the world. And then he reigns on earth for a thousand years. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.16 to look at the hope of the future. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, just a quick note. This is not about the rapture. Listen to episode 17, what I have to say about the rapture, okay? But this verse is not talking about the rapture as we know it. The point is, there is a resurrection. Clearly, by this verse, God says he's going to raise those who are dead in Christ. There is an afterlife. So we have the hope of heaven. And then the last part of that, we will be with God forever. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So that should be our hope. That should be our comfort. We have no reason to fear because we know what's coming. We know in the end, everything will be fine. Jesus himself promised in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. We have hope of the future. We have a sure knowledge that there is a heaven and there is a God and Jesus Christ is our savior. We have no fear of the future. That's all I've got. If that doesn't give you courage to fight this spiritual warfare, I don't know what, what will. Uh, check out Isaiah 41.10. That's, that's one of my favorite verses. And until next time, may God bless you.